Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. My name is Joshua David Stein. I am your host, and I'm here with your co-host, Jason Gay. Jason here. A few weeks ago at uh, Fatherly HQ, we had a roundtable of like podcast poobahs, so we're trying to break into the podcast game. I love poobahs. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, at some point we went around the table. You know, they were like not in our company, but in, in the sure. industry. And we went around the table and asked people who their favorite podcasts were in. Without fail, every single person said, reply all. Yeah. Uh, and I was kind of pissed because I was like, what about the fatherly <laughs> podcast? But whatever. I got over it. Was that like inside Joshua said that or did outside Joshua actually say that? That was inside Joshua. Outside Joshua was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, so reply all is a Gimlet podcast and it's all about the Internet and Internet culture. It's co-hosted by PJ Vote, I think, V-O-G-T, and Alex Goldman. I have the same addled brain of every other parent where I'm just like, my kid, I know every kid does unique things. Every parent thinks their kids are unique, even though they're just like these disgusting balls of germs that drool all the time, but like mine are really special and people need to see them. They delve into the murkier corners of the internet, but also interestingly for me, where where online meets real life. Um, and it's something that I think as parents, we're constantly trying to figure out, not, not just screen time, which is like its own whole world and tech in the house, but what are the broader implications of the internet and internet culture for kids? Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. I mean, I don't know how you handle it with your kids. They're young. I guess with kids, your kids' age and my kids' age, it's more about like how the internet works on you as a parent, yeah. not on them as kids. Well, I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. We have decided to live our lives as a you know a 13th century family. And <laughs> we don't even have uh, electricity. Everything's by candlelight. I mean, these are such you know pervasive, um, common problems for any, you know any any person who's logged on in any fashion. But but especially for parents because I think more than ever, adults have a real acute sense for the negativity, the downside, the dark side of the internet. And the idea of exposing it to their children is frightening. I yeah. mean, the wonderment of the internet, that era, and I'm interested to ask Alex about this, is over. You yeah. know, the idea of like the miracle of the internet. I mean, you're a little bit older than I am, but when I was growing up, the internet was just coming on as like, ding, 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 era. (laughs) Yeah, right? But my mom would never let us have the internet because she kept on saying, I don't want strangers in the house. 
that was like her thing. We also didn't have a TV. Like it was a very um, closed environment. Yeah. So I would just play this game Microsoft Encarta, which was like a um, encyclopedia game where the 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 part of the game is that you just like answered trivia and it would like light up a room on a map. Okay. And that it explains a lot about who I grew up to be. <laughs> but. I think maybe a couple of years ago, people raising kids, to your point, thought of the internet as like a wonderful, maybe like in the early aughts, the internet was so promising. And I wonder what it was like to raise small kids then. For me, I'm raising my kids and I think my wife and I do look at the internet as like a net negative thing in our lives. Yeah. Although we also use Netflix quite a bit. So, you know, we use the the convenience of it. But that's the riddle of it right because it's an incredibly effective tool in terms of occupying your children when they need to be occupied anybody who's ever traveled anybody who's ever needed just a 30 minute break from screaming children it is nothing less than a miracle and then it comes with all this other attendant craziness yeah how do you walk that and that's what i want to talk to alex about yes you and i don't know maybe he does it's what he does for a living Right? You should know. Yeah. Let's get him on the phone. Hey, Alex. This is uh, Joshua David Stein from the Fatherly Podcast. How are you doing? Hey. How you doing? Good. Jason Gay, my co-host, is here. Hi. Have you ever been on a podcast before? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Couple. One of the many reasons I wanted to talk to you is because as host, co-host of uh, Reply All, you dwell in the intersection of the internet culture and how it affects real live breathing people with feelings and and uh and minds beyond memes and Mm -hmm. you are also a father of two yes one boy is an old boy and one woman is a young woman. What are your, what are your kids' names and how old are they? That's the weirdest I, way to ask. I someone. wouldn't say that they, that that uh, either of them are are uh, are that old. Harvey is turning four in January. Uh, Polly is seven months, eight months, eight months old. Uh, four is very old. You know, the Fatherly Podcast is basically like an exploration, not so much of my traumatic childhood, but of all of the insecurities I have now as a dad. And one of the major insecurities that I have, or just I don't know how to handle it, is my kids are growing up in a world of touchscreen and connectivity and the hell and heaven the internet has wrought, hath wrought. And I, as a dad, am trying to navigate how to create kind and compassionate individuals in this environment. And as someone who spends so much of their life exploring that culture in your daytime and outside of work as well as a, as a parent, I'm so curious about your approach to it. So that is what you need to answer for us today. Go. Well, go. F- fortunately, okay, here I go. Ready? <laughs> and begin. So fortunately for me, like inter- the internet as a concept hasn't really taken hold with either of my kids. Obviously not with Polly, but um, Harvey knows that phones can play videos. Yeah. Smart. He knows that he can watch the same show over and over again on TV, but he doesn't understand the idea that like he can go searching for things on there. Okay. So, um, and that's the way I've like, I want to, I kind of want to keep it uh, for now. Um, 
I haven't had to think about things like social media um, and sort of like his own curiosity taking him places on Google or things like that. And I know that's going to be a problem. And um, I honestly think that social media is kind of like um, it's like an empathy vacuum. It mm-hmm. like it like <laughs> it like takes away all of the meaningful humanity of human interaction <laughs> and turns people into terrible monsters, myself included. Um so I, I actually, I, I worry about the same thing. I don't exactly know how I am going to uh, approach the internet with my kid. Other than to say, like, I don't think that censorship is such a bad thing in that Ooh, respect. Okay. Well, I, like, I don't think, go ahead. Yeah, I was just thinking, so I listened to um, Long Distance Parts 1 and 2 uh, yesterday, which is, of course, uh, for our listeners who might not have heard of it, a really kind of epic journey you've you took uh when was that 2017 it was last summer yeah yeah uh after you receive a scam phone call from a call center in india you actually go to india and try to uncover or discover the human being behind this disembodied chant the disembodied voice which is a scammer um, so it's not just social media that is an empathy vacuum. I feel like the divorce between real people who eat food and sweat and love and have feelings who can be hurt and the version of that that's manifest online, whether it's social media or not social media, is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So um, I think that's really, for me, what I feel so uneasy about is who people are feels like so arbitrary and constructed versus who they really are and trying to that's hard for me as a middle-aged dude to understand trying to have kids grow up in a world where where appearances are so wildly separate from you know realities is you know you said censorship isn't bad. It makes me feel like neither is digging a cave in, you know, Montclair and moving in. Well, one of the things that I discovered while I was working on that episode. So, you know, my impulse whenever I get a phone call from someone who's scamming me is to shout and freak out and be angry. <laughs> and one of the things that I discovered is like the people who work at these call centers are frequently getting exploited by the people who work for them. Sure. They're either getting underpaid or not paid at all or getting scammed themselves by people who promise them payment after like a two-month f- trial of mm. not getting paid at all and then they end up not getting paid and just getting let go. And after I worked on that story, I actually worked with a journalist who – I actually spoke to a journalist who did a story about how – People who are just attempting to find the jobs that might potentially scam them are also getting scammed by hmm. recruiters who put up put together job fairs where people pay money and then jobs never materialize because there were never any jobs to begin with. Like, there's a staggering amount of humanity that is being treated very badly on the other end of that phone. And it, it never occurred to me to think about it. Um, and... It's very easy the further we actually get from the person we're speaking to, not just like in terms of space, but in terms of like context, it's very easy to just be an asshole. Am I allowed to swear? It's a, yeah. Exclusively. You can speak only in swears. (laughs) It's very easy to just be an asshole. And um, I constantly have to remind myself to continue being curious because a that's part of my job and b because like if i'm not 
then I just become hardened to anybody else's lived experience. And that's just terrible. And it's a terrible thing to impart on my children. I'm a sports writer by trade, and I often think that so much of social media's evolution parallels sports fandom and that, you know, it is all about taking sides and it is all about, you know, conflict and conflict is what sells. And I, to give you a very specific question, like I think on something like Twitter, do you think Twitter would not be what it is without the sort of dunk on feature of being able to take someone's remark, which you think is foolish, and broadcast to your followers why you think it's foolish? Um, I think that there's definitely like a little dopamine rush from watching people you disagree with get dunked on. Yeah, what is that? Um, I, I, I think that in the long run, it really, for me specifically, I find it very harmful. I don't like it. Um, it doesn't feel good. Even dunking on someone, like the rush of it is brief yeah. and the agony of <laughs> of just having been an asshole uh, endures. The thing that I found, th- th- sometimes it feels like really terrible not to respond to people when they're like, you know, your show's stupid and I hate what you do <laughs> and I think your voice is annoying and you've got a stupid chipmunky laugh and blah, blah, blah. Um, that so was our intro. My... <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so it was you guys all along. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when people say like, Welcome I like your to show, Meet your trolls you... <laughs> with Joshua David Stein and Jason. <laughs> Sorry, go on. So when people say, when people say like, Hey, that thing you do is stupid. My response, my stock response is always actually it's awesome. And that's as far as I'll engage mm. because that is sort of, that is about what you're going to get when you argue with someone. Like you're not going to, I'm not going to convince them that the thing I do is not stupid. Um, So if I just say, actually it's awesome, then they can respond and say, well, no, here are all the reasons why it's terrible. And I can respond and say, well, no, actually it's really, it's really awesome. (laughs) That's the best thing that I do. Okay. We're going to hear some words from people who want to sell you things, and then we'll be back with Alex Goldman of Reply All. Stay tuned. Because your kids are a little bit too young to be um, using the internet, although I wonder if you, you have yet the, okay, Google, and then or and then it's whatever question, so knowledge becomes completely sort of outsourced to a small device in your home. But because you're not really dealing with social media and that kind of thing yet, I did want to ask how how you how you parent, how parenting has become different uh, or how you use the internet in terms of parenting. Because responding to a, a dig on Twitter with actually that's awesome is one thing. Raising I'm sure your kids are cute. I haven't seen pictures of them, but raising pictures of kids, sorry, raising kids who are cute in a world where you can share that cuteness on social media, I feel like is a challenge that my parents never had and a challenge that I, as a dad, struggle with all the time, especially because I work. How do you deal with it? 
a while ago, I used to be a Instagram addict in a way, and I would take pictures of my kids, and they have they had hashtags, and I was like really into this idea of 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 them being um, popular. I think because I struggle with my own you know insecurities of I struggle with my own insecurities, and after a lot of fighting, actually with my wife who objected to it on purely privacy grounds, which I think are Mm -hmm. valid grounds. Um, You know, I would say, well, they're part of me and therefore I'm not violating their privacy. I'm expressing myself. And she said, well, you're expressing yourself, but you're also violating their privacy. They can't consent to being (laughs) shared with on social media. But actually what happened is I really became um, uh, cognizant in myself that I would take pictures of them and judge the quality of the experience retroactively by how many likes it got. And I would not be looking at moments. I would be looking at whether this would be like a cute Instagram picture simultaneously through my work at fatherly. I was reading all these studies about how kids are affected by their parents use of social media. It's not a good effect. And so I purged my you know social, I purged Instagram of pictures of my kids. I actually deleted my account because I do ill-advised things out of anger. Um, and now that I restarted that I don't post any pictures of them whatsoever. Huh? Okay. And it bums me out, but I think it's okay. <laughs> Go on. I have the same impulse that you do, which is, I think my kids are adorable, way more adorable than anybody else's. Nothing personal. Um, no offense taken. But um, I really like, um, I really like showing people pictures of my kids. I think it's I love to see their reactions. I love to see people. I like to talk about how cute I think my kids are because I am, I have the same adult brain of every other parent where I'm just like my kid. I know every kid does unique things. Or every parent thinks their kids are unique, even though they're just like these disgusting balls of germs that drool all the time. But like mine are really special, and people need to see them. Um. But uh, my wife really doesn't want to post stuff online of them. So she has a she has an Instagram where she shares pictures, but it's private. My Instagram is public. I don't use it that much, and I don't post anything, uh, any pictures of the kids there. To get my desire to show my kids to people out, I actually will, like, occasionally walk up to people I work with and just be like, look at this video. You need to watch this video. <laughs> Yeah, but that's so hard because the thing about Instagram is when you like something, it's a gesture and it's like a very clear metric of, I like that. It's a very clear, um, painless way. Showing pictures of your kids to someone or a video, it's like, oh, that's so messy. There's so many nuances of that reaction that you have to navigate. Although, yes, you're right. That is ethically more sound. (laughs) So I will do that. It drives PJ crazy, my co-host. He does not. He Does he is have kids? Tired of seeing. He has a dog, which he treats like a kid. And does he um, show you pictures? Yeah, he he does. He has an Instagram of his dog. Can um, pets consent legally? Can pets <laughs> no, they, consent? No, they cannot. Um, sounds like a terrible law and order. <laughs> and the other thing I've done in the past, when like I just couldn't take it and needed to share a picture of my kids with the world, is I would post it and then delete it after like a half an hour. Be like, yeah. all right, there's a time limit on this. 
I can share the adorableness of my child with the world for a moment, and then it has to go away. Do you have a sense for how this behavior is going to be passed on? I mean, part of what you do is obviously examine internet culture, but also try to get a beat on what's happening next. And that's a hard thing to do. I often sometimes think of like the internet as like in the same way we have super fun sites in like cities, like they didn't really realize for, uh, you know, making copper for uh, 40 years was going to be really damaging to a place and we'd never <laughs> be able to build something on top of it again. But, you know, that's sort of like a new science. And, and how we will pass this on. You know, I almost feel like social media has reached the point where it's like smoking. Like, you know, I do it, but I don't want you kids to do it. Don't get in, you know, don't start this. Once you start, you can't stop. It's really hard. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do you have a vibe yet for, you know, how you may pass it on or how other people you know are passing it on to their children? Do you remember, like, right when Adult Swim started, there was that Adult Swim show, Sea Lab 2021, which was like a, <laughs> set in the future and underwater and like it was mostly like non sequiturs and and dumb jokes yeah um there was one throwaway line at the beginning of an episode where like one of the people in the in the one of the main characters was teaching a class to a bunch of children okay she says something like all right children today we're going to discuss the internet and how it and how in 20 it was like and how in 2017 it almost destroyed us something <laughs> like that and I think about that line all the anytime, like like when Cambridge Analytica happened, yeah. and like you know, anytime one of those things happen, I, I always think back to that line, and I'm like, were they right? Well, like, did they even get the year right? Yeah. Um, it does feel pretty gross right now, <clears throat> and everyone I know who has a teenager is like, God, I remember the times when I used to be able to talk to my kid, and now yeah. they just look at their phone. Yeah. Um, and I like to fantasize that. I'm going to be a parent who's like, well, you can only have your phone at X time and Y time. But I also know, I also know the incredibly attractive allure of technology. Because sure. when I need a break from my son for an hour, I'm like, hey, watch Curious George. Yes. And that's it. He's done for an hour. There's games that I try to play with Harvey that are like very involved. But the thing is that the only thing that he ever wants to do with me is have me like toss him around. Yeah. And that gets very exhausting very quickly. <laughs> so, you know, I can I can do a half an hour of that and then I'm like, okay, we gotta we There's gotta actually an app for that now. Right? I think you can, you know, child tosser. Just I'll set my phone <laughs> down and it'll just I don't think shake it's called around. child tosser. <laughs> <laughs> um so are you hopeful or are you not hopeful, Alex? God, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that technology technology is not terrible. I just think that, like, the companies that make it need to be a little more responsible about how, how it can actually affect people, <laughs> social media included. Um, and uh, absent that, I just have to be very diligent about about it. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's very seductive about social media. I know because I'm totally a, like a Twitter addict. Mm -hmm. um, what would it take for you also, to delete your account? My Twitter account? Yeah. I can't even imagine what I would what would cause me to do that. I, I'm like, I'm seriously blanking on what could <laughs> entice me to do that. How are your guilt, I mean, guilt feelings out with your children? You know, I'm sure you've had occasion to have them out in public and, you know, for whatever stray reason, you start looking at your phone and, uh, you know, do you feel fine about that or is that the kind of start to Oh, no, my guilt feelings about that are, 
are powerful yeah. and incredibly <laughs> there. Uh, my wife and I took Harvey. He's a big train kid. He loves trains. Gotcha. So in Pennsylvania, there is a, a Polar ex- the Polar Express. You can Ooh. ride the Polar Express, which wow. is just like a train that has a bunch of Christmas lights in it, and they give you hot chocolate. Santa, Santa walks by. Sounds cool. It's very expensive. Definitely not <laughs> worth however much it, it cost. But um, Harvey was super excited about it. I we got a babysitter for Polly, and we all the three of us went. Um, we got a babysitter. I should uh, rephrase that. Sarah's my wife's parents took. It. <laughs> um, if they're listening bad. to the Fatherly Podcast, no. <laughs> um, oh yes, Alex. We so, listen to all of your appearances. <laughs> so so we we got on the train and. The train was kind of rolling along and he was very excited and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, nothing was happening. Music was playing and we were just kind of hanging out. And I just opened it, got my phone and my wife was like, Alex, what are you doing? We're on the Polar Express. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when we, she put it in that, when she put it in that, like strangely, that's what got through to me. It wasn't like, Alex, what are you doing? Because like, yeah, I'm going to check my phone when there's downtime occasionally. But like, we're on the Polar Express suddenly hit me with like the oh we're we're doing like a very special thing with my son and i'm totally disengaging alex what do you feel the internet is going to do or has done to the idea of parenting and discovery i think of like you know so much of the thrill of raising a child is watching them learn things and there's just an incredibly i mean you guys you know mentioned at the top like you know searching uh, the search engines on on the internet. I mean, like with a with a negative um, uh, construct, but I think of it as being a huge potential positive if you're trying to. You know, my son wants to talk about the Great Wall of China, or he wants to find out if an Allosaurus would beat a Spinosaurus. Well, there are at least 170 pages that have considered it, uh, and it's a real thrill to be able to have those conversations and moments. And I'm telling myself that I'm intellectually raising a child. Uh, with more information than uh, possible, but are we, you know, losing something in the process because it's so readily available? Uh, well, um, there's good and bad to it. This is actually something that I do have experience with. Um, okay. Right now, Harvey is obsessed with bones. He figured out, he found out about bones. Great. So yeah. bones he asks me a lot, like, yeah. what has bones and what doesn't have bones. Yeah. Um, and, he, and there we had, we got a book about bones, and it talked about how houses have frames, and the ha- and the frame is sort of like bones, and that concept was really too far out for him. So I, mm-hmm. I found a time lapse video of a house being built on oh, YouTube, and that was great for him. Um, but the other thing that he's obsessed with right now is. Um, <clears throat> Smoke detectors and smoke alarms because the smoke alarm went off at the JCC one day when we were there and now he can't stop talking about it. So uh, it's great that I can show him this stuff. But then at the same time, I was reading him a book yesterday, um, which had nothing to do with smoke detectors or smoke alarms. And in the middle of the book, he kept stopping and being like, I want to watch a video about a smoke alarm. Yeah. I was like, no, I don't have my phone with me. I'm, well, I'm reading you a bedtime story. I'm not going to do it. And he was like, no, but I really want to, which is like, you know, a very three-year-old thing to say. Or a 37-year-old. I tell my kids, I, I, I'm not kidding. I tell my kids that Google is closed. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I would show you. 
the video of the Spinosaurus fighting the Allosaurus, but but Google's closed. Google's closed. Nine nine a.m. to two p.m. <laughs> it's like bank post hours. Yeah. Oh, smart. Okay, Google, play a sponsored message, and we'll be back after it with more from Alex Goldman. I always found that the actual piece of knowledge that I was looking for was satisfying, but so too was the search of how to get there. Yeah. And it is true that with these search engines or with like YouTube or whatever, it's very direct. Like you will find out what you want to know. You will only find out what you want to know. Like there's no wandering down the aisles. Not that when I was like a four-year-old, my I wanted to know about salami and my dad would be like, hey, let's go to the library. Look, you know, go go look at the Dewey Decimal System and find out. But there was like you had to work for it. Sometimes when you have to work for these things, you hold it more closely. Whereas if your kid, if you know Harvey wants to know about smoke detectors, you can just say, "Okay, Google, what is a smoke detector?" And then that nice English lady like explains it. Knowledge isn't a thing to work for or to retain. <laughs> right. Right. Totally. Oh, totally. Um, <clears throat> I I do feel like. There was something, you know, I used to be like a big record collector. Like I used to be really into like, like in the mid, mid nineties, you know, I was collecting records like crazy. And then I went to college and got hardwired internet. And then I like lost my taste for record collecting forever Yeah, because there's no, I didn't need to, I didn't need to retain anything. I didn't need to know anything anymore. Yeah. Like it did, there was no cachet in knowing it. There was no challenge to knowing it. There was no yeah. reward for knowing it. Yeah. In this, it was like, it was like the same as not having to remember cell phone numbers once right. I got a cell phone. Right. But the they question were all is, stored in there. What do you store in that empty space? You know. God, I don't know. Like useless trivia about sort of internecine fights uh, within <laughs> tiny hobbyist communities on the internet. That's sort of what my brain is used for. When, you know, uh, not to do our job uh, or make you do our job, but what do you hear from parents? When, you know, when you tell people what you do or people come up to you and ask you parenting internet kinds of what are the, what are the hot topics right now, would you say? I think that everybody just sort of thinks of the internet as this unwieldy, out-of-control thing that they can't seem to figure out how to tame, you know? The only thing that gives me hope is that we weren't born of this age. And right. there might be a shoulder generation who, I feel like we're the shoulder generation that has the ability and is kind of freaking out about it because we, we're not internet native but our kids are going to grow up with this being the baseline of the world and then so they can develop m morals and and they can understand they can they'll have an innate understanding of it so it won't throw their compasses out of whack i feel like for me particularly i feel like the internet threw my moral compass totally out of whack and i still struggle with it I just think that like some of like the peer pressure stuff has moved online or like yeah. some of the joy of everyday life has been has been taken out of of things. You know, in the same way that you're talking about 
and I apologize because my only frame of reference is radio because all I do is listen to podcasts. Um, In the same way that you talk about like how you couldn't be in the moment with your kid, there was a This American Life story which was about teenagers feeling super stressed out because they constantly had to update their Instagrams. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, oh God, that's a really like, that is really a feeling I am net that is so alien to me, and I'm never going to understand. Like I'm a little too old even for online dating. Like I've met my wife in 2005, yeah. like right before, or we started dating in 2005. We met before then. I guess the only like bright side is that we're all going to die in a climate change apocalypse in 2100. So a lot of these questions about how the internet will continue to develop are moot. Yeah, that's another thing I keep thinking of. It's like, well, you know, by the time I, my, my kids are, are in their 70s, it's going to be like Mad Max out there anyway. So, you know. They'll need Instagram and online dating. Right. All they'll need is water. <laughs> <laughs> There's an app for that. Just from a, you know, a practical <laughs> application uh, standpoint, you know, straightforward question. I'm a parent. I have small children iPads, screen time is an issue for me. Do you have any sense for what is the, you know, the 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 if we if it's not, let them do whatever they want, they want or just you know raising them like it's 1955. What is sort of the smart middle road? You think? Oh boy, I I don't know. Um, the smart middle road for me is, um, like an hour an hour a day. Okay. That's mm. that's what that's what we arbitrarily decided on. Might be house? too little, might be too much. Yeah, I'll um, I'm gonna double check that, and we'll I'll share that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little high. I mean, it seems a little high. Like my kids are at like a solid two hours. So, I mean, I'm a hypocrite. Oh, really? I mean, not out of um, anything that I'm proud of. Just out of trying to make dinner, and you know, them fighting like crazy people, and just wanting not to yell at them all the time. <laughs> This is what a Google response, a Google search, a quick Google search tells me. Most parents say their children watch two or more hours of TV a day, despite a recommendation from the American Academy of Pediatrics that kids two to five spend no more than an hour a day with screens of any kind. Goldman nailed it. Stein failed. (laughs) (laughs) Alex, uh, I am not entirely sure whether you answered the question of how I should approach the Internet with my kids, but I did enjoy talking to you. And hey, thanks so much for having me. And I'm sorry that I'm not a better uh, interview. Otherwise, I would have answered the question. No, you are a wonderful interview. It's a question that no one can get their arms around. I think yeah, I you're just a true. human interview. You're a human interview. And that's what I love most about you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thanks, Thank Alex. You. It seems like our impulse as a society and as parents, too, is like, well, who knows? Let's try it. Right. Let's just see. Right. No one is saying, well, actually, let's hold back because we don't know. I mean, like, that's exactly the dilemma at heart of do you share Instagram pictures of your kid publicly? They might be okay with it and actually love it. But by the time they're old enough to object to it, it's too late. It will have already done. So it takes a special kind of person that I'm not that person to say, well, this might not work out so well, but we don't know. Let's not do it. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the first time I saw a writer 
who had a personal website. You know, it was like <laughs> joeschmo.com. And I was like, what an asshole. Like, <laughs> this guy thinks he can just make his writers, I mean, you know, put his writings online and thinks everyone's just going to be naturally interested in it. <laughs> and now it's literally just, you know, it is it is a perfunctory step in the career of anybody who does this for a living. And I feel like the internet is just kind of a series of that repeating itself, that behaviors that we once found completely insane are now completely commonplace. So knowing that, though, it's like, the, do I let my seven-year-old, he'll be seven by the time this airs, do I allow my seven-year-old, encourage him even, to have like a social media account? Because he's going to have it at some point. Why not have him... Cu- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A customize? No, it's like acclimatize or like, why not let him get used to it now? So by the time he's older, he will like have gone through the swings of oversharing or whatever. You know what I mean? Like Pop Warner football? like Kind of. Yeah. Like, is it? Yeah. What is a Pop Warner version of Instagram? (laughs) That's interesting. Maybe there should be, you know, maybe there's an opportunity there. I think that like, look, we're at a big crossroads, at least in this country of what, um, the impact of all this stuff has been. And for the first time that I, you know, I just feel like the pendulum has really absolutely uncategorically tipped the other way. And we're looking at the negative dystopic effects of all this. Um, and the sort of sunny idea of like, Hey, it's great, man. I'm out there. Yeah. Is quickly fading in the rear view. Well, I guess to, to wrap up the, Upside of this is that our kids are young enough that by the time they're teens and tweens, enough will have changed that maybe the pendulum will have swung the other way. Like maybe this mess will have been cleaned up by then. It's interesting. Alex talked about records and how that was a habit of his. He stopped doing it. I thought what he was going to say was just on the idea of like discovery and buying records but also and you know if you bought records you know what it was like to buy records occasionally and be like oh this sucks like i just blew eight bucks or ten bucks on this thing and it's got one good song on it and now you can just cherry pick your culture and just only get the stuff that you want and i do wonder if like you know this inculcates a feeling of just you have to be satisfied at all times and you have to be stimulated at all times and you have to find it perfect at all times. Uh, and that's a very bizarre kind of thing to bake into your personality. Yeah. I just hope that in the next like 10 years before our kids are teenagers, we'll have cycled through climate change in the apocalypse and come back to like a healthy, um, you know, you're sometimes happy, sometimes not, but you can survive. It'd be great. What episode will you be on of this podcast by then? Uh, by the time the apocalypse hits? Yeah. What is this, six? This is eight? I don't know, 12? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, um, well, that was Alex Goldman, co-host of Reply All, father of two. Great conversationalist, I think. I really, you know, I don't, I don't think he has an annoying voice. I like his voice. And, 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 you know, you cannot be more squarely in the center of the culture than what he does with his podcast. Yeah. Uh, Or ours. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a wrap. My name is Joshua David Stein. I am the 
host of the Fatherly Podcast, the guy drinking a Starbucks uh, soy chai latte iced, is uh, Jason Gay, my co-host. That's me. Wonderful dude. If you have parenting uh, issues or questions, give us a call. Someone might answer it one of these days. 732-416-4571. That's 732-416-4571. That is our parenting advice hotline. If you call it, we will listen. We will answer. Um, That's it for me. Subscribe to this podcast if you would like. Uh, Oh, this other guy, he's not chopped liver. His name is Max Savage Levinson. He is our producer. Andrew Berman uh, is our executive producer i guess i helped co-produce it in some way at least i was here yeah uh jesse schultz is an engineer uh this is probably brought to you by someone but i'll let someone else handle that i'm not really on social media but if you want to give me feedback you can um email me at jds at fatherly.com or i guess you could call me my number's 212-203-8257. I'm the kind of guy that will always pick up my phone. It doesn't matter. Really? Yeah, I'm excited by it. You know, like some people are scared when they get an unknown number. I'm very like, I'm just like, who could, who wants to talk to me? I mean, I've crossed the threshold that I think everybody calling me is now an automated like call trying to sell me something. Hello, we have come into information about your home loan. Yeah, yeah. Just like Alex Goldman. Anyway. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Oh, are you calling me, Max? (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) 